Um, I have to commend you for being here tonight because the weather is terrible. And for those of us who are a little bit up in age, it's hard on our eyes to be driving at night with the rain coming down and the traffic around. So um, the fact that you brave the weather to be in church tonight you know, is a blessing and we appreciate you being here. I'm sure there are some who are snuggled up with their blankies and their hot chocolates looking online. <laughs> well, um, if you're over 68, that's good. If you're under 40, shame on you. <laughs> Just kidding. <laughs> um, we've been busy this month. We've been to several churches over the last few weeks, and my wife has, and I have commented that you folks are blessed here at Beacon. And I hope that you don't take it for granted. You have something very special here. Um, pray for your pastor. Encourage him. Pray for each other. And be faithful. There are not a lot of places like Beacon Baptist Church that are left. This morning we were down in Oakland Park and we were in a church where most of the members are from Jamaica. And once we got inside the building, I thought I was back home. And then afterwards they had um, dinner. And of course all the Jamaican food was there and it was, it was a blessing. So needless to say, I am tired, um, struggling to come here tonight. But my wife said, man, that eight-minute nap that you got really perked you up, you know. But that's what you learn to do when you're a police officer. You see, when the cars are pulled in side by side, they're not talking. One is taking a nap. So I learned, I learned how to take 15-minute naps and be revived. Thank you so much for having us again tonight, for inviting us to be with you. And my prayer is that the time that we spend in the Word of God this evening will be a blessing and encouragement to all of us. Our scripture reading was taken from Psalm 90, and I just want to direct your attention to two verses in that psalm, that passage, verse 10 and verse 12. As Brother Andy said, Moses wrote this psalm, not David, and it was a prayer and the psalm focused on the, the fact that time was created by God. And so he says in verse 10, The days of our years are threescore years and ten, that's seventy. And if by reason of strength they be fourscore years, that's eighty, yet is there strength, labor, and sorrow, for it is soon cut off and we fly away. So matter, no matter how old we are, if the Lord tarries his coming, one day we're all going to die. And so he says to us in conclusion in verse 12, teach us to number our days that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. So I want to speak to you this evening on the subject of the true meaning of wisdom. Let us pray. Our Father, we thank you for this opportunity that we have together. Thank you for bringing us here safely tonight. Thank you for this building, for this facility, for this church, for this pastor, and all the leadership. I pray tonight, Lord, that you, you would 
Help us to set aside all the thoughts that we've had throughout this day and to take heed to the word of God. Holy Spirit, be our teacher, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. You remember when we were children? Forty seemed ancient. Remember that? I did some calculations once when I found out the year that my headmaster was born. A headmaster is like a principal in the British system. He was only in his 50s, and I thought he had one foot in the grave. We used to make blanket statements as kids that all grandparents were old. But I find today that there are many grandmothers that look fabulous to me. I'm married to one of them. <laughs> so, as we get older, our perspective changes. And mentally, to a certain extent, we feel that we can do whatever we used to do in our 20s until we try. You know, now we have to get out of our bed and sit for a while. When we go to a restaurant and we're finished eating, we have to kind of stand by the chair and look at our watch, pretending that we're checking the time. But what we're doing is actually kind of stretching. Because if we move too fast, we're going to topple over. We cannot stop the aging process. So recently, a headline of an article caught my attention. And it was entitled, When Does Old Age Begin? And I said, man, good to see you, my brother. Snuck in on me here. When does old age begin? So I was, I was drawn to that. And if we had time, I'd do a little survey and we'd have a little fun, but I don't want to hold you too long. Well, the answer was a little disconcerting to me because the answer was 68. The problem is that in a couple weeks, I'm going to be 68. <laughs> so, officially then, I'm, I'm old. So in this article, they ran a survey of a few hundred seniors. Mark, you know this is a cross-section. And they asked one question, what do you do every day? And I took some of the answers that were given to share with you tonight. This was just a few of, of the, the many. Speak to friends and family on the phone. Read a book or a newspaper or a magazine. Watch TV. Sort out medications. Participate in a hobby. Exercise. Pray. Here's a great one. Take a nap. No, this is very important. No joke. When you get older, you need to take a nap. Prevent strokes and heart attacks. You think I'm kidding? <laughs> you see, you're laughing at me. Wait till you get to our age. And then I like this one. Find somebody to argue with. 
<laughs> so as I read this, you know, I, I got serious and I said to myself, everything in the Christian's life ought to be filtered through the word of God. So what does God's word say when it comes to getting older, old age? What's the right answer that should be given? What do you do every day? Well, tonight I want to share that answer with you. And regardless of your age, these thoughts are applicable and very important to all of us. Because we should not waste the precious time that God has given to us on this earth. So Moses here is speaking to us along these lines. And in the first few verses, he touches on the fact that God is eternal. God is omnipotent. God is self-existent. God is self-directed. He's just, and yet he's full of mercy. And he also briefly compares God to man, and his conclusion is, Lord, thou art eternal, but with man our days are just three score and ten. And if by reason of strength we might hit 80 years old. So as Moses recognizes the fact and acknowledges the fact of the brevity of life, he makes his request to the Lord. He says, Lord, teach us, teach me to number my days that I may apply my heart unto wisdom. What he's saying is, teach me to appreciate the time that you have given to me on this earth. Teach us to assess how much time has passed in our life and how much time is ahead of us. Teach us to be aware that one day our life here on this earth will come to an end. And when you teach us these things, help us to apply what we learn to our hearts to find wisdom. Why wisdom? Well, Solomon gives us the answer to that question in Proverbs 4, verse 7. He says, wisdom is the principal thing, therefore, get wisdom. So he says, as you assess life and you realize that it's brief and that God has given us a responsibility to live our lives properly, we ought to apply our hearts onto wisdom. There are some older folks that waste their time. Waste their time. You know, there are 31 chapters in the book of Proverbs. And the permeating theme throughout is wisdom. And so if I was to ask the question tonight, well, what's the meaning of wisdom? Some would say, well, wisdom is knowledge. I'd say, hey, you know, that's not wrong, but I think there is more to wisdom than just knowledge. First of all, <coughs> excuse me, first of all, we have to understand that there are two types of wisdom. So we have to figure out which wisdom we're talking about. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 19, and I'll read it to you real quickly. It says, for the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. And then in James chapter 3 and verse 15, he says for, yes, 
This wisdom descendeth not from above, but is earthly, sensual, and devilish. That's the wisdom of this world. Foolishness with God, earthly, sensual, in other words, driven by fleshly nature, and devilish. But now when we compare it to the wisdom of God, we find that it's completely different. And the wisdom of God is found in the same chapter, chapter 3, beginning with verse 17. But the wisdom that is from above is first pure, and then peaceable, and gentle, and easy to be entreated, full of mercy and good fruits without partiality and without hypocrisy. So the wisdom of God is pure and peaceable and gentle. He says easily entreated, in other words, approachable, full of mercy. It's impartial and without hypocrisy. So in order to accurately define wisdom, we first have to understand that we're speaking about godly wisdom, not the wisdom of the world. Secondly, only those who know the Lord can adequately define his wisdom because his wisdom cannot be understood by the unsaved person, the ungenerated heart, the ungenerated mind. The Bible says, For the natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for their foolishness unto him, Neither can he know them because they're spiritually discerned. So according to the Bible, the unsaved man's wisdom is foolishness to God. And God's wisdom is foolishness to the unsaved man. Isn't that something? No wonder our world is messed up today. In 1976, there was an American athlete who won the decathlon, the gold medal, which meant that he had to endure 10 grueling disciplines in track and field over a two-day period. And he beat every other participant in the world. So in essence, he was the world's best male athlete. Today, that same person wants us to refer to him as a woman. For the life of me, I cannot understand that. And as you can tell, I'm being very tactful. You know, Solomon, the writer of the book of Proverbs, he was known or referred to as the wisest man that ever lived. And the Bible tells us that Solomon spoke 3,000 proverbs and wrote 1,005 songs. We can find that in 1 Kings 4.32. And yet God in his wisdom chose only to include a small portion of those proverbs. If you were to add up all the verses in the book of Proverbs, they would only number 915. So that's 915 verses in the book of Proverbs out of 3,000 proverbs. And we only have one song recorded by Solomon in the Word of God, in the canon of Scripture. Why was it that this privilege was given to Solomon? Why not somebody else? You ever thought about that? I want to read a passage of Scripture to you from 1 Kings tonight, real quickly. It's 1 Kings chapter 3, verses 5 through 14. The picture here is that 
David has died. Solomon is now a young boy. And he's faced with the responsibility to be the king of Israel. He's scared to death. He's overwhelmed by the responsibility facing him. And God essentially sort of gives him a blank check to say, Hey, listen, whatever you ask me for, I will grant it to you. And the Bible says that Solomon answered and said, O my Lord, thou hast made thy servant king instead of David my father. I am but a little child, and I know not how to go out nor come in. And thy servant is in the midst of thy people, which thou hast chosen, a great people, that cannot be numbered nor counted for multitude. Give therefore thy servant an understanding heart to judge thy people that I may discern between good and bad. For who is able to judge this, thy so great a people? And the speech pleased the Lord that Solomon had asked these thing, this thing. I have another message. Maybe I'll preach it one day. It's, it's talking about getting our prayers answered when we line up our will with God's will. And so the, the, the question is, how do we know God's will? So one day I'll, I'll talk about that. But that's what happened with Solomon. His will aligned with God's will. And so when God gave him a blank check to say, ask for anything you want, this is what Solomon asked for. And the Bible says the speech that Solomon made pleased the Lord. And God said unto him in verse 11, Because thou hast asked this thing, and hast not asked for thyself long life, neither hast thou asked riches for thyself, nor hast asked the life of thine enemies, but hast asked thyself for thyself understanding, discernment, and judgment. Behold, I have done according to thy words. Lo, I have given thee a wise and understanding heart, so that there was none like thee before thee, neither after thee shall any arise like unto thee. Look at verse 14. And if thou wilt walk in my ways to keep my statutes and my commandments, as thy father David did, and I wrote, I underlined these words, then I will lengthen thy days. What a blessing. What a blessing. Now for many of us, you know, if God gave us a blank check and said, well, write whatever you want, whatever you desire, I'll give it to you. We probably start adding up the zeros. You know, the Lord appeared to me in a dream the other night. And he said, whatever you want, I'll grant you one wish. And I said, Lord, I don't really want to fly anymore. Can you build a highway from Miami to Jamaica? The Lord said, I can't do that. So he said, you have to ask for another one. So I said, well, Lord... Can you give me wisdom to know exactly what my wife is thinking 24 hours a day, seven days a week? He says, listen, that highway that you're talking about, you want a two-lane or a four-lane? <laughs> I heard that the other day. I thought I'd try it out on you. <laughs> but what a blessing when we can ask God for his will. And have his will be answered in our lives. Have our prayers be answered in our lives. Isn't that a blessing? That's what happened to, to, Sam, to, to um, Solomon. And that is why Solomon was able to write what he wrote. Because God gave him the wisdom to do it. And Solomon's fame spread throughout the world. Causing people including some of the dignitaries of that era. To travel for far distances to come and listen to him. And his proverbs are still held in high regard 
today. And his wisdom is godly wisdom, not the wisdom of the world. He covers so many topics in, these, in this book. Lying, drunkenness, immorality. He talks about co-signing for a loan. That's one that is so easy to get caught up in. But the Bible talks about the dangers of that. We can co-sign for our children, our family, but we have to be very careful about co-signing for somebody else. We get stuck with it. He talks about actions that lead to personal failure. But not only are his proverbs instructional, some of them are convicting. Some of us, some of these proverbs teach us how to navigate life and to live a successful life. He talks about how to manage the, the financial resources that he gives to us. He talks about how to make and keep friends, how to build a happy home, how to control our tongue, how to avoid temptation, how to build godly character, how to avoid immorality. All of these things are found in the book of Proverbs. Precious, valuable book. But unfortunately, when we study the full life of Solomon, we're shocked to find how his life played out. You see, the first 20 years of his reign, he saw peace and prosperity in the nation. He completed the temple. He built his dream house. He had a bank account that was hefty because he was making $320 million a year, equivalent to what our money is worth now. He had the respect of the world. But by the time he wrote the book of Ecclesiastes, which was like 30 or 40 years later, he was a different person. Listen to what he wrote in Ecclesiastes 2.11. I looked on all the works that my hands had wrought, and on the labor that I had labored to do, and behold, all was vanity, that's meaningless, and vexation, that's annoyance. Vanity and vexation of spirit, and there was no profit under the sun. Those are statements that show that Solomon was in a type, a type of despair, a type of funk, a type of depression, discouragement. So I asked the question, how could someone who spoke so much wisdom end up writing words like this? And I believe the answer goes back to the question that I asked at the beginning. What is the meaning of wisdom? It's not just knowledge. It's understanding knowledge, but most importantly, it's applying the knowledge that we understand to our lives. Because our minds can be filled with knowledge. But if we don't apply it, then where is the wisdom? I don't think that the Lord considers me to be wise until I'm obedient to the knowledge that he has revealed to me in his word. Amen? I think Solomon was wise for a while. But after a while, he... I don't know what happened. I'll have to ask him when I get to heaven. My life's verse is Acts 20.24. And I, say, I guess I said it so many times that 
precious lady found out about it and cross-stitched it. And it's now hanging in our dining room. But none of these things move me, neither count I my life dear unto myself, that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received on the on, from the Lord <coughs> to testify of the gospel of the, of the grace of the Lord Jesus. You know who gave that to me? Louise Blaylock. And she never handed it to me personally. She just left it on the front bench. Now suppose I hadn't come here that day. I missed out. That's why it's so important to be in the will of God. I was talking to some folks the other day and they said, you know, in three years I'm going to retire. And I kind of just jumped in and said, listen, start planning and asking God where he would have you to be after retirement. We need to make sure that we're in the will of God. We're in the right place because when God sends the blessings, he's going to send the blessings to the place where we should be. If we're not there, think of Elijah. God said, go to the brook, cherish. Suppose he said, you know something, I don't like that brook. Go into another brook. Then the ravens bring the food and where is Elijah? And he starves. My little mind with all my imagination, I'm thinking when we get to heaven, we're going to have a huge storehouse there. You're going to have a whole lot of boxes, not from Amazon, but from the Lord. Blessings that came back because we weren't where we were supposed to be. I don't know what happened to Solomon, but he didn't finish well. You know how old he was when he died? 60 years old. That's a young man. He hasn't even gotten to 68. <laughs> Proverbs 3, he wrote these words, My son, forget not my law, but let thine heart keep my commandments for length of days and long life, and peace shall they add unto thee. Solomon did not experience length of days nor long life, and in the end of his life he didn't experience peace. He knew what God said. He knew what God's word said. He knew what God taught him. He knew what was right and what was wrong. And yet when we read his life, the decisions that he made caused him problems. And that's why he wrote some of the things that he wrote in the book of Ecclesiastes. He knew that God had promised to protect him and yet he accumulated horses which was forbidden in the word of God. God had promised that he would live in peace but yet he built walls of fortification which was like a slap in the face of God. God told him that he would supply all his needs and instructed him in the dangers of strange women. And yet he married 700 and had 300 girlfriends. And most of those women were because of alliances that he wanted to build with the enemy. And they led him away from the Lord. All these actions indicated a lack of faith on his part. Knowing what was right but not applying it to his life. He wrote these words, but he didn't practice what he preached. One of the things that motivates me is the fear of God. Not that I'm afraid of him, but I respect him. We do. 
There are 18 references to the fear of God in the book of Proverbs. Fearing God is acknowledging who he is, respecting him for who he is, listening to what he says, knowing his displeasure in our disobedience. That's one of the things that drives me. You know, I, my dad is 96, and I still fear him. I'm not afraid of what he can do to me, but I'm afraid that one day I will disappoint him or hurt him. And that's how I think about my Heavenly Father. Thank God that when we do, if we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Next week, Sunday, I'm going to be teaching on imputation. And I was so blessed when I really looked into that doctrine, the doctrine of imputation. I, I'm so excited to teach it. You know, one of the blessings of teaching, Brother Terry, you know this. You prepare it so you get it. And then you deliver it, you get it again. And I'm not disciplined enough to delve into the word of God as I do because I have a responsibility to deliver it. And what a blessing. What a blessing. That's why I want to continue doing what I'm doing until I just cannot do it anymore. I tell my wife, if I start repeating myself or drooling or babbling, just whisper to me, honey, be a prayer warrior now. Your time is up. <laughs> I'm serious. And it's slowly coming to pass. <laughs> because between her and Siri, uh, they keep me straight. I told you we travel, we've traveled a lot in this month. And let me tell you, my, my wife would be the best navigator for anybody. Turn left, turn right. Even when she's lost, she's still going. I, I knew, you know, I told you to turn left. I said, but, but I don't argue. <laughs> I don't argue. I just do whatever she tells me to do. You know what's happening in our world today, though? There is no deterrent when it comes to the fear of consequences. You know why? The fear of consequences is no deterrent when the fear of God is not present. That's the problem. People don't fear God anymore. Let me tell you something. What, what is most important for us as Christians is to make men and women realize that they, they're going to be accountable to God one day. If, they, if people get a hold of that, I think it will change their lives. Some atrocities have happened over the last week. You send your young person to school and you get a, a message saying that they're, they're not alive anymore. I can't even imagine what's that's, what that's like. But these people don't fear God anymore. And the fear of God is the beginning of wisdom. Fearing God motivates us to please God. The best way that we can gain from this book is found in a word that's used 12 times in, this, in, in the book of Proverbs. Hear and hearken. Same word, just different parts of speech. In other words, Take heed to the instructions which have been written in these 31 chapters of the book of Proverbs. And you know, the, the, the unique thing about the book of Proverbs is that it has very little to say about the life to come. It focuses on the present life on this earth and gives guidelines that will give us success in our life. 
Somebody sent me this acronym and I wrote it down. It's such a blessing. B-I-B-L-E, Bible. Basic instructions before leaving earth. Man, when I get things like that, you know, I write it down. And I'm so tempted to say I came up with it, but then God will strike me dead. That's the fear of God right there. Amen. <laughs> That's good. I, I wrote that down. Basic instructions before leaving earth. Joshua 1 verse 8. This book of the law shall not depart out of thy mouth, but thou shalt meditate therein day and night, that thou mayest observe to do according to all that is written therein. For then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, and then thou shalt have good success. We all know that that's the only place in the entire word of God, from Genesis to Revelation, where the word success is used. So we come right back to where we started. What is wisdom? It's not just knowledge. It's the understanding of knowledge and then the doing, the obedience, the applying it to our lives. The days of our years are three score and ten, if by reason of strength there be four score, yet their strength and labor and sorrow, for they are soon cut off and we fly away. So teach us to number our days, that we may apply our hearts unto wisdom. Nothing wrong with doing crossword puzzles. Nothing wrong with playing golf. Nothing wrong with going fishing. But let's make sure that we're taking time to apply our hearts to wisdom. Because we don't know how much time we have on the earth. I have encouraged for all the years that I've been in the ministry, I've encouraged folks to consider the fact that Proverbs has 31 chapters. And most months have 31 days. And so if we take a chapter a day, we can get Proverbs going for the rest of our lives and read through that whole passage 12 times a year. You say, well, what happens in February? Or what happens to the months that we don't have 31 days? Double up. <laughs> That's pretty wise. That's pretty wise. I love being with you on Sunday nights. It's like we're all gathered around the fireplace with our PJs on just before we go to bed and we just have a little time of devotion. It's a rough world out there because the wisdom of the world that's out there is completely opposite to God's wisdom. And so we have to keep our minds filled with the word of God. Thou will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee. So I just pray that the Lord will use these thoughts to encourage you and to edify you and me. And may I apply what I've shared with you tonight. Let's pray. Oh, Father, thank you for the word of God. So applicable. These words were written so many years ago, and yet they're just as pertinent as when they were first written. Lord, I don't want to judge Solomon. I don't know the man, never met the man. But certainly we can learn from his life the dangers of not following through, not finishing. Paul says, I have run a good race. I have finished the course. Help us to be good finishers. Not to get discouraged. 
not to get sidelined side or not to get distracted. There's so many things in this world that can distract us. But no matter what age we are, I pray that you help us to apply our hearts unto wisdom. And thank you for giving us this book that is filled with the wisdom of God. Use these words now for your honor and glory in our lives. In Jesus' name, amen. On behalf of everyone at Beacon Baptist Church, we thank you for joining us today. Our prayer is that your heart and life has been impacted through the biblical truths of this message. If you have questions or would like more information, please contact us through our website at beaconbaptistchurch.org. That's beaconbaptistchurch.org. May the Lord bless you.